Your Partner in Success Radio is a free business podcast with host Denise Griffiths. It's all about great stories, conversation, and context to help you move your business and life forward with actionable tips and advice from her guest experts. To listen and subscribe, just find us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you consume your podcasts. Welcome to your Partner in Success Radio. I'm your host, Denise Griffiths, and my guest today joins me from Austria, and he is here to share how to make your company easier to run and immune to competition using three specific CEO habits. Simon Severino is the number one speaker on Agile Strategy and Agile Sales. He is an author, CEO of Strategy Sprints, and host of the Strategy Sprints podcast. He has interviewed powerhouse entrepreneurs like Rita McGrath, David Allen, Perry Marshall, Vern Harnish, Brian Kurtz, and hundreds more on business, productivity, and growth. Now, Simon leads a global team of certified strategy sprints coaches that help clients gain market share and work in weekly sprints, which results in fast execution. Excuse me. His team is trusted by Google, Consilience Ventures, Roche, Amgen, and hundreds of frontier teams. He is also a TEDx speaker and has appeared on over 500 podcasts. He also writes for Forbes and Entrepreneur Magazine about scaling digital business. Simon, welcome to Partner in Success Radio. It's good to have you here. Hey, Denise. Hello, everybody. Happy to be here. I know we tried this before and didn't quite make it. When you when you got in, I, oh, he's here. <laughs> we made it. <laughs> Simon, before we get started, we had, you and I had a terrific pre-interview conversation. I wish we had recorded it. But tell people who you are and why you you get on these podcasts to try to help people with strategy and sales. Yeah, so I'm Simon Severino, and it's 18 years that I do only one thing, and that is helping people scale their business. Now, I've done this so many times that something can be reused for others. And so over the decades, we have developed a blueprint for how to do marketing, how to do sales, and how to do operations in a way that fits the modern age, the age when you really cannot rely on any planning, cannot rely on any benchmarks or whatever data you get. So you have to learn by doing. And this thing is currently helping so many people in so many countries that basically my job now as the founder of this is just to be on, on three to six podcasts every day and sharing <laughs> the method with people because, yeah, it's, it's needed. It is, and things change so quickly. Listen, I'm known as a you know nerd in stilettos. I'm a techie person. I dream in HTML, and I can't keep up with most of what's going on. I try. We all try, but things change so quickly. Marketing changes, sales changes, algorithm, algorithms change. I don't know how you do five podcasts. This is my second one today, and I'm losing my voice already. So <laughs> good for you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'm drinking a lot of water. <laughs> Me too. So tell let's what, you've been doing this but and before we get into the the three specific CEO habits because those are very very important. But tell our audience what is a strategy sprint? I think that's important to know. It's a structured 90 days 
one-to-one coaching program. And it has a repeatable structure that has worked hundreds of times. So it's three months of one-to-one coaching. Business owner selects one one person from their team responsible for operations, one from marketing, one from sales. And we will have 12 weekly meetings over the next 12 weeks. In week zero, we diagnose the system and find the current bottleneck. And then the sprint coach creates a game plan, which is every week has one bottleneck to solve. And we have some templates and blueprints on how to solve that. And once a week, we will measure progress with a dashboard of three numbers that represent your three sprint goals for the three months. And we will see what's working and what's not. What's, what's working, we will do more of that. What's not working, we will help you let go. You know, I started looking at my business some a good while back, and I found out, surprise, surprise, I was the bottleneck. Do you find that that is typically what's happening? The person that you will be coaching with or speaking with, they are probably the actual bottleneck? Yes, that's the main thing. I was just on, on the Monday meeting calls where all coaches come together and we discuss all clients. And that was literally what one coach said, said, okay, my client is growing, but they are now the main impediment of the growth. So the founder is usually, and, and I can tell my story when I was the bottleneck of our growth. So I started like most people, just by being passionate about something. So I'm passionate about problem solving, especially market entry problem and market uh, success problem. And so I was just solving problems, solving problems. I would fly to that city, to that city, help people solve their sales problems and then fly back. Quite soon, I've reached the amount of, of projects where I couldn't take on in any more projects. And at the same time, I had no time to do sales. So it became pretty clear to me that I was the bottleneck to growth. So what if your dream client comes in now and you have to say, no, I, I can't. So I was the bottleneck because I have just 24 hours. And that was a key moment. I got a business coach myself and I said, I have to get out of fulfillment. I have to fire myself from coaching. I have to become the CEO of this thing. It is now ready for a higher level of energy and much more complexity. And who holds that? Who does work on the business? If everybody works in the business, right? I was just one person and I was working in the business. Who does working on the business during that time? So it was pretty clear. Simon has to fire himself from fulfillment, needs to get two levels above fulfillment and start working on the business. Form, fit and function of the sales process, doing joint ventures, writing the first book. I was called to do these tasks and I had to let go of the old tasks. But it's hard because you don't know how to do that. You just feel that you should. And so that's a good moment to to find a mentor and even better than a mentor to find really a coach that one-to-one really consults you uh, every second day, every week, because it's easy to get back 
into avoidance and into what you know, but this is a time for growth and it's uncomfortable and it's new. And this is exactly when coaching comes in. Oh, listen, I agree with you. When I found out or I realized just all of a sudden, and I couldn't even tell you what exact moment it was, but it hit me and I, it, I stopped. I remember I was walking through my house and I just stopped and went, well, there it is. You know, you are the problem. You know, listen, I started my business. Nobody taught me how to do it. I did it all by myself, so I had no help. I didn't even think to hire team members because I could do it all. You know, I was just so darn special. I about half killed myself. So I know yeah, there is, ego. there is ego involved also, right? And so what a, good, a, good, a good exercise is if we try to subtract that ego part and just look at our clients and say, okay, what was impactful this week? What helped them solve their problems? Then we see that it was really a set of impactful triggers, tools, interventions. And if we write down these interventions, we can share it with others and we can start teaching others. So I, I did an online course that was the first thing and uh, I started teaching my colleagues. And then it became a certification program and it's now a global certification program but it started just by sitting down taking a week off from fulfillment and cre and writing it out of my head Simon how did you first of all how did you walk away for a week I've not I, people say when are you going on vacation what in the heck is a vacation People like me don't get vacations. We work all the time. We work in our sleep, by the way. Don't do what I did. It's a bad idea. It will kill you eventually. But how did you, did you give yourself a week and just say, I'm not answering the phone. I'm not talking to anybody. I'm getting this out of my head and I'm building something. How did that work? Yeah, I did. So I, I scheduled a week with myself. And I said, okay, in this week, it was three months later. So I go to my calendar. Where's the first time I can take a week off? It was three months later. I did put it in my calendar, and it was called Simon Out of Fulfillment. That was the week. And I booked myself in, in a hotel in the woods, and I said, I'm off. I'm, I'm riding. <laughs> and so I went out, and... Um, yeah, my job was really to get myself out of fulfillment. I just needed some um, uh, Wi-Fi and my computer. And so, and of course, it could go in one week because I had the blueprints. So that's why I hired a coach. Please, I want somebody who did this 100 times and uh, I need the blueprints to get done faster. And so I did it with the blueprints and um, it was helpful. And this is something that I was inspired from from longer ago. So we have we have a beach house where we go every summer and we have long vacations there. And always before we go there, uh, I'm always like, no, I, I can't go for so long because we do a four weeks vacations every year. And I am in a very competitive space, strategy advisory. It's not that my, my, my competition is very smart and very fast, and they like to chase my clients. Oh, I so, bet. Of course, we all do. 
Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's, it takes courage to do four weeks off. But I always did, and I learned that when I come back, everything is fine. So that, that was one part of the confidence. And then another thing was that I saw that Bill Gates has this ritual of going for one week um, into the woods, and he calls it the thinking time. He, he collects books that he wants to specifically read, let's say on new trends or new technologies, on global developments. And then he goes into this cabin, into the woods, and for one week he just reads and thinks these bigger topics. And I was always inspired by that. And so when I realized that I am the bottleneck, these two things came together. I, I pulled the calendar, I scheduled time three months later, and then... I solved that main bottleneck. I was the main bottleneck. And so it was very clear. I have to write down what do I do in week zero, in week one, in week two, in week three that makes this impact so that it's out of my head and I can share it with my team. That will be the only way I become replaceable. Oh, so you said something very important right there that you can become replaceable, which also means, and I'm just extrapolating out, that now your your business is not only scalable, but it's also saleable. It was always important to me to run a business that runs without me. Because uh, even if I don't intend to sell, but I want always to have a business that is sellable, because that makes me free. I can be the CEO, I don't have to be the CEO. I can be the sales department, I don't have to be the sales department. So I always wanted systems in place because I just rely on systems and I cannot sleep well without systems. So I want systems in place and I want to intentionally choose to energize specific roles. So this year I'm the CEO, but next year I will decide if if I want to take on that role or if I want to hire a CEO and move on to another role because the system needs to work all the time. People, they come in and out of roles in a healthy system, but the system needs to, to be functional all the time. That's, and you're exactly correct. And honestly, I know this, but I haven't always put it into play in my own business because we do get in it instead of on it. And we've been hearing that a lot over the last couple of years. You know, don't work in your business as much. Work on your business. And it's hard to do. You mentioned that earlier. It's very difficult to do. Maybe we don't have the money. Maybe we don't have the time and the energy. Maybe we really don't have those critical systems or standard operating procedures. And sometimes maybe we're just pig-headed and we're just not going to do it. We are going to do it ourselves. So I think it's a combination of a lot of different things that has us going, well, this isn't working. Now what do I do? Exactly. And this is a good moment to, to have a coach. So our, our thing was, okay, we need to create a teaching system that shares our magic, our impact, without um, being tied to one person. So an online course 
was the easiest way to start. I created videos and templates, exercises, like you would do if you create an online course for somebody you want to teach something. And that became the core of the things. Now, of course, three years later, this had many, many, many iterations. And with every certified strategy sprint coach, I got feedback on what to improve. And so every week, of course, I improved some small parts and some words and some videos. And now it's, it's, it's a mature product. But it started by just recording 12 videos and creating 12 templates. Now, when did you start doing that? I'm, I'm trying to follow your path here. You're always working. You were flying. You were you know, going to clients' towns and their offices. At what point did you say, I've got to make this easier and I've got to make these videos? Was it two years in, five years in? At what point did you just say, I, I've got to fix this? So I had 17 years already of being in the field. So I had on my computer and in my mind a lot of templates and checklists, etc. They were all here, but in my head. And then in the external world, this was pre-COVID, um, our two kids were born. And I started enjoying so much playing with them in the morning and eating dinner with them. And that wasn't aligned with my, you know, tomorrow I'm in Paris and in three days I'm in Zurich and then I'm in New York kind of life. And so I had to decide, do I want to be a weekend daddy or I need to change my, my business model? And it was clear, I want to change my business model. Let's try this. I, I want to enjoy my kids as long as they are kids. And that's, that's a limited time frame. So <laughs> let's start cranking. And, and I was like, okay, worst case, if this doesn't work, I will go back to the same, to the same business model that I had. It was, it was fine. It was limited, but fine. It was a nice lifestyle business. And that's also fine. But let's try this. It's technologically feasible. It's easy to create an online course. And there are great apps for everything. Right now, without coding, you can create wonderful stuff. So let's get cranking. And I started creating the 12 modules, bringing in the first uh, certified coaches, learning about many, many things, learning about how to develop the contract, how to have the psychological commitment, how often we should meet, how, how the meetings should be structured, how they report, how to answer their questions quickly. When I get the same question three, three times, how to make it an SOP or, an, or a frequently asked question. And so it was a gradual development from there. And see, that makes sense. And, and I think a lot of people don't notice this. I didn't for the longest kind of time, I'm embarrassed to say. But I would be answering the same questions either to my team or to clients or to people I was consulting with and the same questions would pop up over and over and over again. And I had kind of a, a stock answer. I mean, I didn't just trot it out. It was always me listening and responding, you know, to whatever was going on. But after a while, I thought, these are very general areas that need to be written down. 
So you're right, SOPs and FAQs, have them, use them. Yes, and it's my my mentor was somebody who used to write books this way, and they were best-selling books because of this method. So he was a leadership trainer, and he was writing about leadership. He was one of the scholars of Peter Drucker. And so he would teach leadership, and he had a binder with paper. At that time, you had still paper and binders with you. And so the papers was, would move around with the questions of the, the participants. He, he had to change some parts, and then this paper would move around. And after a couple of months or years, when no paper was moving anymore, he knew, okay, the product is now ready. Oh. And then he handed over that binder and that stack of paper, he handed that over to his publisher and said, the book is ready. This is the book of this year. <laughs> and they became the same books. I can imagine. And the thing is, people really want to know how to do things, how to do them simply, how to be clear, how to be concise. But more than that, I think, Simon, they want to know why they need to do these things. Because so much of what we do is psychological. You know, we may have imposter syndrome going on. We may have, you know, I've always done it this way. Why change? There's so, so many different things going on that the, the more clean and clear and precise you can make these processes, it's just helpful to most brains, I think. Yes, and when something happens from the practical problem-solving it is much more appealing for everybody. So it's not a theory of some researcher somewhere. I didn't read 400 books and then write about something. It was me in the field solving problems. And then, as you said, at some point you see repeating patterns. You get that one question over and over. Well, that's your first lead magnet. That's your first piece of content. That's your first video. That's your first module, whatever it is. Knowledge workers can really think like manufacturing. I think like manufacturing all the time. So I have an idea, an idea becomes a concept, a concept gets validated, becomes a, an article or a blog. If, if the blog gets read and people want to talk to me about it, that becomes a book chapter. If, and then the book becomes a conversation about certification or about sprinting with us. And that's, that's how... I move forward from an idea to becoming more and more intensified energy until it becomes a real project together. I love that. And that makes perfect sense to me. So we, and I wanted to go back to the CEO habits, and clearly you've got some very specific CEO habits, but is there anything else about strategy sprints that you want to share with the audience? Currently, people are asking us, Simon, my sales doesn't work anymore. How can I change it? And um, first of all, know that you are not alone, that many people are in this situation right now because the world is changing so fast that, of course, the life of our clients, the life of your clients is changing fast. And so that's why we all need to refine our offerings and adapt our offerings to this, this current situation of our clients. That means we all need to be more like Lego than like Duplo. 
we need smaller parts, modules, like BMW, when they build cars, they have already the small parts ready, and then they assemble a full car. But they don't build the full car. They build, they build the small parts, and then they put them together. And this is how we need to operate, because the rate of change outside is, is raising for beautiful reasons. We have six disruptive technologies coming in at once, robotics, AI, blockchain, and three more coming at once at us. So the rate of change will be even more, even more high during the next months. And so nobody knows what's next. And as a business owner, the only thing we can do is to control the 5%. And the 5% is our process of building and our process of exploring what's changing and of being ready. And that's the daily habit, weekly habit, monthly habit that we can go into if you want. Please do. And, and if you don't mind, you mentioned, I think, three of the things. Can you name all six of them if you don't mind? Yeah, I need to Google it. I, I don't have them all in my mind, the, the six main technologies. Uh, Katie Woods, she's really good. If you look, Katie Woods from ARC, she's really good at explaining the main six technological okay. disruptions. She's, she's the one I am learning from and I get inspiration from for these topics. And then there is Michael Saylor, who is really good at explaining one of them, especially blockchain. These okay. are the people that, that I learn from and that I try to make sense of what's coming and how it's coming. I just and, wrote um, this down. Thank you. Yeah, on the on the technological side, on the business side, this is where my expertise is. On the business side, our question is always, okay, if ninety percent outside out there is changing, and uh, okay, I try to understand it, but I can't, because as you can see, I cannot even remember just the titles of all the changes that are going on outside. How can I possibly know the details of what's coming? We can't. We can't right now. And even if you just zoom in in, in one of these technological disruptions, if you just take blockchain, every week hundreds of new projects are coming up in that space alone. And I don't know about AI and robotics, but it might be very similar there. So we cannot control what's going on out there. We cannot even be fast enough to catch up what's coming. So what can we really control? And what can we really do every day, every week, and every year, uh, every month? So these are the three habits, which is really the only process that we can rely on. My daily habit is I write down how I allocate time and really, I write down six in the morning, I go running, seven, breakfast with my kids, eight, deep work, etc. So really, hour by hour, what I'm doing. And then in the evening, when I stop working, I have two reflective questions before I create the flow of the next day. And the two questions are, of all the things that I did today, which one should I delegate tomorrow? This helps me identify time suckers and energy suckers. The gotcha. second question is, 
If I would live more intentionally and more freely, what would I do? This question helps me think big again. Hey, I always wanted to write a book. What about writing a book? Okay, let's start making space for that. And then I design the flow of tomorrow. And now I am informed already by this review. So I will not write down things that I could delegate because I will just write down delegate this task instead of doing the task. And the other one, in, in some part of that flow, there will be also a task start book writing project. I don't know yet how to do it, but I've done the first step. And that's really all you need. So the first step, the next step. That's the daily habit. And not just I'm doing it, but everybody in the team is doing this. So also everybody else is finding higher leverage tasks, is starting to delegate, and will hire for their area. Let's say they are doing marketing. They also do the writing down and documenting the marketing tasks, and they do hire marketing people, and they get the budget to hire and train and onboard their people. So they also move to higher tasks uh, month by month. That's how we all evolve. And that's how the organization learns and evolves. That's the daily habit. And if everybody does it, it's a powerful thing for the whole team, for the whole organization. Because we are the smallest unit of the team. And I then, have to say, I'm not very good about doing the, you know, setting up the next day. So we'll go back to that as soon as you're through because I've got a couple of questions. Sure. Weekly habit is then get all your numbers right every seven days. Most people have too many numbers and uh, they get them monthly or every six months. And that's too late because you don't take decisions once a month. You take decisions all the time. So you want the data to base your decision upon right now. That's why we help them reduce the numbers that they keep score of and have them in front of them all the time. So a dashboard of three numbers, one number from marketing, one number from sales, one number from operation can be very, very helpful. Your team will look at these three numbers every seven days. You will learn about the variations and you will review. And as you know, everything that gets measured gets more attention, gets improved. That's the weekly habit. And the monthly habit, once a month, we have to do strategy. Are we going into in the right direction at the right pace? What, what's competition doing? Do we need to change anything? Or can we just continue doing what we are doing? How confident are we that we have the right product for the right problem at the right price in the right channels? If everybody says 100%, then all right, that meeting was a short meeting, half an hour, and the next one is in a month. But if one of us says, hmm, I'm at 70%, then we have to have this conversation first. Uh, do we need to improve the product, the marketing channels, the sales, the price? What is it? Let's have an honest look at it. And, um, and that's the number one task right now. 
So what happens using that 70%? What happens if nobody seems to to know what to do? Have you had that happen where everybody just kind of throws their hands up and we're lost, we're stuck? There's so many things going on in the world right now that we really don't know what to do. How do you walk walk that back and take a break and say, okay, everybody, you know, take a half hour break or a month break, whatever it is, and we're going to fix this. How do you do that? We do bottleneck analysis and three months goals. Uh, so we would say, okay, where's the bottleneck? And, and we have a process to find the bottleneck. You can find it on our website. We have an eight minutes process to find the bottleneck. It's on strategiesprints.com. So we would do a bottleneck analysis. And then when we have the bottleneck and now we know what we need to solve first. So is it positioning? Is it sales? Is it marketing? Is it operations? Let's say it's positioning and we say, okay, we have to position ourselves better uh, with, our, with our message. Then that is the bottleneck for this week. And then we will go over the three main departments, marketing, sales, and operations. And we will say, okay, what will marketing do to contribute to solving this bottleneck? What will sales do to contribute to solving this bottleneck? What will operations do to contribute to solving this bottleneck? And that's the goal for this week. So as you see, we make it small, we make it realistic, and we align everybody on that. Now it feels like friends playing basketball because there is only one thing that we are solving the next three days. It's in front of us. Everybody know what, knows what it is. Now you don't feel so overwhelmed anymore because you have just to solve one thing. And you are aligned. So you are not lost anymore because you see, okay, there is the goal. We want to, we want to reach this and we want to get the ball into that. And I am attack and you are defense. So everybody knows who is doing what. Now it's quite simple. And this is why people need coaches, because honestly, we don't know what we don't know. And I am a strong proponent for having one or more business coaches, depending on what it is that you need. And, you know, paying them well and paying attention to them. And coaching is something that I think is getting we're talking a lot about it on this podcast, but I think people are finally understanding that you need help. You need mentors. You need coaches. You cannot do it on your own. And I've tried to do it on my own. I did okay. It wasn't fabulous, but, you know, I wasn't starving to death. And I didn't have to go, you know, put out my resumes and get a job job. But I was also just ruining my health. I mean, I really was. It was just so difficult. And I didn't know why it was difficult. And I didn't know what I was doing wrong. All I knew is that I was constantly, and I'm getting a little bit of a headache thinking about this back in the day, but I was constantly running around stomping on fires. It was crisis after crisis after crisis. It was my own making because I had no system. And I wanted to go back and talk with you about systems as well because they are critical. Yeah. Systems are the only thing we can rely on when when things get tough. So you have seen many schools 
closing during during lockdown and so they had to go digital with their teachings now if you have goals as a school that doesn't help you at all in a lockdown but if you have systems that is now what is really supporting you through these tough times because if you have systems of communication how the teachers sync each other if you have systems of having you know the knowledge and the books also digitally available now you can still have a connection to your to your to your scholars and you can you can continue working so you have seen schools that have systems were doing better than schools who don't have systems and i see this every day if i have a bad week it's really important that my morning routine uh is is stable so i do always the same thing in the morning because when a very tough week comes let's say i lose somebody uh that i love uh and i have to still be the best ceo that i can for my team and for my community i will rely on the morning routines and on the systems of communication the systems of decision that i have built during the easier times and i expect things to be hard because i'm an entrepreneur since 18 years so i know that it's a roller coaster we all know and so we can prepare for that and we're not really in charge of anything if we think we are we're we're lying to ourselves so being prepared by having those systems is so critical and it took me much longer to figure that out than it really should have i mean here you know i was on top of it i was my own boss i could make my own money and i couldn't sleep at night <laughs> i was tired and i think i'm not the only one who says that but once i started implementing these systems and like you i go back and i'm constantly looking at them like say constantly but once a month i'm looking at them is this still working does this need to be changed is my team understanding have have i you know done this one correctly what needs to be tweaked a little bit and by staying on top of them i can actually get up in the morning and not go oh jeez what's next which leads me back to my my question about i'm not real great or my my comment earlier that's one area where i really have kind of fallen down cuz i will you know i'll get everything done for the day and i'm petting myself on the head good girl but the next morning I'm kind of starting from scratch, not as bad as it used to be, but I have not yet developed a system where like you, you know, I sit down and say, okay, what's going to happen tomorrow? What gets delegated? What's, you know, what is this? What is that? So, how do you, you know, go ahead and coach me if you would. Tell me how I figure yeah. it. Yeah. So, I use the daily flow for that. You can download it on strategysprints.com. It's the daily flow and it's really just writing down at the beginning it it asks you what are the top 3 things to move forward this week and so that will be a short prioritization exercise and then it's really just writing down the time okay what will you do tomorrow now that you have clarity over the top 3 things of this week you create the flow of your day tomorrow and while you do it you will realize hmm this is more important than that i should do that in an uninterrupted time where i have more energy for me that's the morning 
morning I do the tough tasks that are individual work, deep work. And in the afternoon, I let, I let interviews and uh, meetings and everything, which is also important, but it doesn't take my full, it doesn't take three hours of deep work. It's, it's another energy. It's, it's a, a connected a relationship energy. It's, it's much lighter. I like it much more. But also after that, um, there is less pages written. So that's the afternoon because in the morning I need to write or I need to record. And, and this is how you create your flow depending on what you need. Depending on the three things that are on top there, you will create your flow. And every day you are learning from it. You are reflecting and saying, oh, I did a ton of that, but did it really move the needle forward? Did I really like it? Oh, if I don't like it, I might delegate it. I might outsource it. I might even skip it. Do we really need it? Does it improve our price? Does it improve the frequency of our sales? Does it improve the conversion rate? No. Well, do we really need it? And a lot of times people will do, right, they'll do it just because they've always done it. Look, I'm guilty. So, well, you know, I've always done it, but I never really tracked it. And I've gotten much, much better about doing exactly as you just said. Do I need it? Does it work? Or am I just doing this out of an old habit? And sometimes those old habits will just cripple you to some degree because you've spent three hours I'm making up three hours. I like the number three. It's my favorite number. But, you know, it's just that all of a sudden you realize that you just did a whole bunch of work because it was easy, because you could, but it didn't really, as you say, move that needle forward at all. And this is where I also ask my team. I say, please help me. Here are 10 screenshots of my last 10 days. I'm working a little bit too much, and I don't know, what are the few things that I should focus on? Please give me feedback. Here they are. Just highlight them. I, sh- I literally share the daily flow with them. And I ask them to highlight on it uh, what are the most important things that I should do for the team. And then they give me this feedback. And they say, you should do more joint ventures. You should do more writing the book. And you should do less spending time on LinkedIn. <laughs> Or Facebook or Twitter. Or any of those places. You know, hire people for those. Seriously. Exactly. That's the process. I I look at it, but I also ask other people for feedback. And I like that idea. It's... And I just lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. I was so busy laughing and going, yep, I need to stay out of all of those places. And I laughed at myself and forgot what I wanted to say. But the thing is, we, I think once we have, and I'm going back to standard operating procedures or strategies, I've actually had people say, well, I, I don't have time. And they're almost breathless. Like they just, you can almost hear a panic attack coming on. So, I just don't have time right now. I don't have time to do everything I need to do right now. And, you know, the voice goes up an octave and they start speaking faster. And I can almost, mm-hmm. you know, feel sweat breaking out on my own brow just from the angst that they're, they're presenting with me. But you've got to find the time to create those strategies. So is this, you know, if you're really in deep, deep 
need of strategies, wouldn't this be a good time to take that week? Go to a hotel, go to the woods, you know, go somewhere and sit down with all of the things that you need. I mean, you have to schedule this. Probably that's the best point in time to take time when you feel that you don't have time. If you feel in a hurry, slow down. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I had the same, and I'm actually speaking of myself, you know, but I have, you know, clients who are doing the same thing. Denise, I don't have time. I don't have time. You've got to make time or you're going to keep hitting that same wall every day, every morning, and you're not going to know why it bothers you so bad. You're just going to know that you're tired. I had one client that was telling me that one of her biggest daily interruptions was her own staff constantly coming to her and asking basically the same questions over and over again. And I said, do you have an SOP? Do you have a binder? Do you have a wiki? What what do you have? She said, nothing. I said, well, stop answering them. They already know the answers. You're just allowing them to do it. Create a document or something. You create something that you can just say, hold up a finger and say no, and then point to the binder. And I'm using the binder, you know, literally. But And she did. And all of a sudden, these people went, oh, well, I can't just go nag at her anymore, can I? And it was driving her crazy. It seemed simple, but she didn't have an answer for it. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's exactly the process. You see where you have tasks that you don't really need to do, and you find what are the highest leverage tasks that really move the needle forward for you right now, and you make more of that. Absolutely. So I'm I'm going back to strategy sprints because I'm so fascinated by how you do this, but what else is there on your website where we can send people to? You you mentioned a couple of lists. Uh, Where else would you like them to go? Yeah, you have experienced one tool, the the daily flow. This is one of 274 tools plug and play ready. Many are open source on our website. And uh, if you want access to all of them in the Sprint University and the one-to-one coach, that is for our one-to-one work. We have certified coaches. They were the head of Google, head of Coca-Cola, head of Ernst & Young. They are very experienced people. They scaled Uber Eats. And they can coach entrepreneurs in a very helpful way in weekly sprints for 12 weeks. And they have shown to double revenue in 90 days and some even quadrupled revenue in 90 days. But really, they can improve your operations and sales. And if you want to find out more, it's at strategysprints.com. Many of the tools are open source. And and you can click around and see if this is something that would work for you. And and that's the best place, strategysprints.com. Thank you. Okay, so I I don't want to get too far away from how to make your company easier to run an immune to competition. That's a big, big statement because you say that you can make your company easier to run and immune to competition. What else can you share about that? Yeah, that's a very specific tool also on our website. It's the slash equalizer. So it's strategysprints.com slash equalizer. In half an hour, it helps you really find your uniqueness. So to niche down even more, because that is important, not only just 
to be different, but also to stay differentiated over time. Because over time, what many people do is that they, they imitate others. Mm-hmm. So, for example, you might hear my, my kids, three, three rooms far away, they are playing. And when they play, they imitate uh, each other, they imitate their parents, they imitate us, they imitate uh, ev- teachers, they imitate everybody. That's how they learn. And that's very human to be, to be imitating. That's how we learn. But as an entrepreneur, that's a problem because you become more vanilla. You become like the others. And when you become comparable, when your offer is comparable to others, now you have a pricing problem because people will only talk about uh, price reduction with you. And when you have that conversation, that's the worst conversation you want to have. The conversations you want to have are about the value, about the problems that the people have and how you can help solve them and the value that you can create in each step of that. This is the conversations that you want to have. In order to have this conversation, you have to keep differentiated. And that's what you do with the equalizer. So in 30 minutes, the equalizer is asking you, who are your top three competitors? In, in your main 10 categories, where are they winning? Where are you winning? And then it clusters together three buckets. This Three things is where you need to cut time and money from. Invest less time, less money. Let's say cut 20% from that bucket. Then in the middle, they are meh, you are meh. Just cut a little bit, 5%. And then on the right side, it says, this is where you are winning right now against your competition. Double down on it. Put all the 25% that you just saved on the left side and invest them here on the right side. Put 25% more time and more money into these two or three things where you are currently winning against your competition. And this is how you make your company easier to run and immune to competition. By continuously, once a month, 60 minutes, analyzing your uniqueness and budgeting time and money accordingly to stay differentiated not just to be differentiated, but really to stay differentiated. Because you are unique. The only problem is we are wired to do what the others do. And that's a problem in entrepreneurship because you need to stay differentiated and to be unique, that's the best positioning you can have. First of all, because you are unique and second, because it will make uh, pricing and positioning much better. Absolutely. And this, people who are listening, I mean, you don't have to be a large company or a medium company. You can be a solopreneur and still need to know these things. So if you're all by yourself or you're just starting out or you have a team of, a very small team of maybe 10 contractors or five employees, whatever it is that you have, you need to know these numbers. You need to to know what's coming up next where you're wasting your time, where you're spending your time. And like I say, you can be all by yourself, but you have to start somewhere. Especially if you are a solopreneur. Many solopreneurs who think they they cannot even afford to be too comparable because if you are too comparable, then people press you on price. You lose 20% on the price. You lose 15% on your margin. 
and then very soon you're working a lot and you're not earning at all. And, you know, that's, and it doesn't even need to be a product. It can be a service. But the moment, and I've had this happen twice in in my career, the moment somebody bargains with you or gets you to cut your prices or your services, it's horrible. You're never going to recover from that, and you might as well just not do it. It doesn't matter. Oh, yeah, I need the money. I need this client. I need the... I need this website for my portfolio. It doesn't matter. Don't talk yourself into being less than your value. If they can't understand the value that you're presenting them with, you better find a better way to present it. Absolutely. It's a race to the bottom that you you don't want to win. So you want the yeah. other race, which is that about the conversation about the value you can create and where you can bring them. That's exactly right. And so many people say, and I see this a lot in service industries, like, you know, podcast bookers and virtual assistants and social media people, and they will try to make it, and I think this is a huge mistake, about their pricing. It's not. It's what do you bring to the table for this client, because every client is different. And I think that gets forget. It's like, oh, we're going to charge $500 for this package, and my teeth just clench together. It's like, please don't do that. Talk to your potential clients about the enormous value that you bring after you have listened very carefully to what it is that they need, and then you come up with something. But you can't just package services. I think that's a terrible idea. Well, some people who have services, they, they struggle in making it tangible. Where can you bring me? And so if you're a service business, I would really encourage you to make it tangible. For example, time limitation. In 21 days, you can achieve 5% fat loss. Or like we say, in 90 days, we can double your revenue. Now, something that is very intangible, like coaching and strategy consulting, becomes very tangible. Oh, 90 days, double revenue. Everybody has a picture of that. And now, if that's interesting, they might continue the conversation. So it's really important to really make it tangible for people so that they have a clear picture in their head. What is it? If I work with you after three months, where can you bring me? And it should be as simple as possible so that people can tell it to their friends. Because services, high ticket B2B, uh, need to be referable. Referrals and joint ventures become an important part of your revenue systems. Because it's all about people to people and trust and being filtered socially by people who know who you are and who know that other person and know that you go well together. Exactly. Listen, Simon, we are just about the end of, of this time together, and I really appreciate all the information you've given us. Tell people one more time where they can find you. We hang out at strategiesprints.com. And is there anything that I have forgotten to ask you or didn't think to ask you that you think is important for our audience? You, you have asked so many wonderful questions. And if, if anybody still wants to know more, you find me at strategiesprints.com or you just Google Simon Severino uh, or Strategiesprints and you find us everywhere. 
we are we are happy to answer your questions. Oh, thank you. Simon, it has been wonderful speaking with you, and I thank you so much for all of the terrific tips and the advice. And I've been scribbling things down. I've got homework. <laughs> I always do. All of my guests, I have to be very frank, I consider all of my guests to be mentors of a sort. And I learn more from you than I could possibly learn by just, you know, going and looking for you online. I mean, getting to speak with you really just kind of fires up my energy, I guess, but I consider you all of you a mentor. So it has been wonderful speaking with you. So thank you so much. And before we say goodbye, I would like to remind our audience to be sure to look for us in iTunes, honestly, anywhere else you consume your podcast, your business podcast. Just look for your partner in Success Radio and take us along on your success journey. Simon, again, thank you so much. Thank you, everybody. Keep rolling. Get your voice heard. If you would like to launch your own far-reaching podcast, contact Denise Griffiths at yourofficeontheweb.com and go to the podcast tab. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.